Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? How's your pick for the music genre going? I'm hearing more esoteric art house movies, and I want an army of Steve Gutenberg movies. 50,000 Gutenbergs! Folks, can we have a moment with Jack? What the hell is with your movie picks lately? Japanese samurai movies? And the nobody's ever seen them. Obscure Monty Python? I'm working something out. It's called having good taste. Well, what are you working out? It's secret. That's why it's called having a discerning taste in movies. I just don't see why you gotta throw away the recipe is all. Why can't we just go in there and lay down some new episodes like we always done? Yeah, why can't we just podcast hard? What do we need all these oddball movie choices for? I don't need people around me stifling me with their bad-tasted film. So if you don't like it, there's the door. Jack, are you saying you don't need us no more? Not unless you can open your mind and learn to like other movies besides Tremors or Indiana Jones. Fuck you, Jack! Yeah, fuck you, Jack. This past season, you've given us a 60-year-old Disney cartoon, a fat man exploding in the meaning of life, and finally, a movie about immortals that cut off each other's heads. And now you have the audacity to judge our film choices? And you never once said something nice about my movie choices. Not once. And you pay that chimp Cody's taste in movies more than you pay us. I had to suffer his presence just to find out your real feelings on Station Agent. And those stupid gag gifts you give us every year for Christmas. We don't want any more Q-tips, shower water ladles, or plush candy corn dolls. The candied corn is a symbol of nobility in ancient Egypt. Fuck nobility, fuck Egypt, and fuck candy corn. And you never once said something nice about my movie choices. Not once. You slept through Drew's Chinatown and said you hated about time, but admit it, you were touched and cried. And I had some really confused feelings about that since the episode dropped. And you never once said something nice about my movie choices. Not once. You're on your own, host Jack. We're leaving. Well, I guess this is the end of a chapter in your life, host Jack. You could take the podcast, but you leave me my monkey. Podcast hard, hard, down lives, rocky road, podcast bold, hard, at my creed, my movie's gold. Welcome back to the Real Feels Podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is Host Jack, and we are the Real Feels Podcast, and we bring you a different movie. Of a different genre, fortnightly. Fortnightly. And uh, tonight is my esteemed responsibility to present to you our music genre choice out of the Bilbo Grab Baggins. And I have chosen 2007's Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Mr. Cox? Mr. Cox. Give him a minute, son. 
Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays. From the time he was a boy. Ain't no six-year-old understand the true meaning of the blues. I reckon I might. I done a bad thing. Cut my brother in half. It's not bad for your first time. The music of Dewey Cox Take my hand has had an effect on people. It's the devil's music. From the guy who brought you Talladega Nights and Superbad. We have got to give up this dream. You're never going to make it. And maybe you don't believe in me after all. I do believe in you. I just know you're going to fail. Columbia Pictures presents The Epic Journey. Welcome to the top of a mountain, and you see it's a long, hard walk. But I will walk hard. Of the man who became a legend. Walk hard. The Beatles want to hang out, so I'm going to go do that. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can imagine. This Christmas... I'm leaving you. You can take the children. But you leave me, my monkey. When it comes to music... I ain't good enough to follow Elvis. There's two things you need to know. I'm the king. And number two is... Look out, man! You see how close I came to your head? I can chop a man in half. I'm guilty as John. No legend is bigger than Cox. You met my new wife, Cheryl Cox T. Thanks, buddy Holly. What do you think, George Harrison? The one, the only, Dewey Cox. And thank you, Eddie Vader. Walk hard. What happened to you, Dewey? I don't know, but I know what happened to you. Patrick Deppy took a beating. Walk hard. My life has been blessed, from my singing to my family to my sausage. It doesn't say Cox unless I say it tastes like Cox. Walk hard. Sure know how to pick them. Joining me tonight is this is uh Drewy Cox. <laughs> this is uh. The third wife, uh, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving you. Uh, I just know you're going to fail. <laughs> Wrong kid died. <laughs> Wrong kid died. Wrong <laughs> kid died. I've never realized until now exactly how easy it is to cut a man in half with a machete. So this movie was directed by Jake Kasdan, the son of Lucasfilm, Steven Spielberg, Lawrence Kasdan, who had a very heavy hand with Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and pretty much all the original Star Wars movies, and I think some of the prequels and the sequels as well. But with a budget of $35 million released on December 21st, Christmas, the, the weekend before Christmas, against our other real feels pick, Demon Barber of Fleet Street, it did very poorly. Did bad. And it only made back $20.6 of its budget. However, <laughs> if you give this film a chance, it has sort of gained a cult following, a cult classic following in the past few years. Uh, so, gentlemen, what, what were your thoughts? I know, Nathan, this was your first time viewing it. Drew, I think, had seen it maybe yeah, once or twice before. Watching it. I'd watched, like, kind of bits and pieces on, you know, like TV or just kind of here or there. But, uh, but yeah, it first watch catches you quite a bit on different jokes and it was just kind of like 
it felt very Anchorman-ish. I almost started like just doing things while watching it, already knowing what was coming, but happy with it. I there was very few parts of this that I was like, eh, like this is really dumb. This is too dumb. This isn't Watson and Holmes dumb by any means. Don't no, don't I mean, like, even you don't don't even I have, try I to rarely, rarely stop a film because I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I just couldn't. Yeah, we, I, we, we didn't make it through Watson I and Holmes either. I thought people were joking. I will admit, I we was tried. watching, I, I left the room, and I ended up taking well, it Well, I thought people were like, oh, yeah, like, it's so bad. I'm like, really? How bad can it be? Oh, no. That's, that's a new low. But <laughs> this, this is a very fun, um, I think the, the cast really helps lift it up. There's somebody in every scene or multiple somebodies in every scene that you know and love from yep. other movies yep. or other TV. And there's great little cameos. Jack White yeah. as Elvis. Like he's in it for literally 30 to 45 seconds, but his little part is pretty hilarious. Buddy Holly. Uh, was it Frankie Muniz? Yeah, Fra for, Frankie Muniz, Muniz is Buddy Holly. Muniz? <laughs> Buddy Holly. You've, all right, oh, God. The Beatles as... Jack uh, Jack Adam Black Long, it, with Jack Paul McCartney. Black. You had Paul Rudd as John Lennon, and um, well, it's Adam Long who was uh, George oh, no, Harrison, yeah. and then That's it's it. Jason That's Schwartzman it. who yeah. was Ringo. Uh, now, all I think three out of the four Beatles really nailed it. Paul Rudd, <laughs> he's John Lennon. Great racket. Don't you agree, John Lennon? Yes, Dewey Cox. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can. Imagine. What do you think, George Harrison, of the Beatles? I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to get some more songs on the album. You know. And as Ringo Starr, I'm not so interested in meditation. I just like to have fun. <laughs> I like the little one. <laughs> it's so dark in this tent, you know. It reminds me when we, the Beatles, the four Beatles, mm. to us. From Liverpool. Yeah, yeah we are from Liverpool. Liverpool. We used to play those dark clubs in Hamburg. You remember that, Paul? Of course I do. I booked them. I'm the leader of the Beatles. Was fucking hilarious. I think the only sort of failure there, unfortunately, was Jack Black. I think it is probably the worst depiction of Paul McCartney that you can get on yeah. there. But you're right. Paul Rudd's John Lennon is like, oh, man, I can only imagine your jokes are going to be so good when I'm 64. <laughs> <laughs> we are from Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. It's almost like, you know, when you're like trying to get like hyped for a, a role, like and you're like, Okay, like my guy came from here, and this is what he did, and this is and yeah, no, you're good. But like that's almost like what they're doing, but going like record. We'll do it live. Like they're oh yeah, where the beat? Like just trying to say whenever I try and talk in Irish, and I say turtles a lot, just because it's like one of the only way things I can say in Irish. So I'll just constantly talk about the turtles, the turtles. Terrible. And that's them right there, like, oh, we for the Beatles. Like, <laughs> almost convincing themselves that, yes, we are the Beatles. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's, and I think that's part of the humor with it. But, I mean, that's that's definitely, like, what this movie is. Because, I mean, it obviously, obviously is a comedy. It's spoofing on the musical biopics. But it is, it's almost like what you would call, like, an, ex an, like, an absurd comedy. Or, more importantly, like, an exaggerated comedy. Because everything about this yeah. is exaggerated. Yeah. It's much like watching... Uh, those uh, scary movies, you know, they, they they spoof on all the different horror films and they're just so over the top. And that's what this is. It's all like, oh, Dewey Cox, there's my favorite 14 year old boy. Mama, you made it. Which is a riff on uh, Babe Ruth. 
John Goodman at, at, at like 30 or 40 odd years of age played a like a 15 year old Babe Ruth starting at the beginning of the film. These are all just little criticisms on a lot of these biopic films and they don't leave anybody out from that musical era roy orbison bob dylan the beatles you know um ray charles tim mcgraw charles jim yeah yeah i think even the the variety show was a shot at sunny and share that that sort of era of things you know the lampooning of the drug use it, it all that's a it, mixture of things it's, yeah. it's all done smartly but it's also presented in a very absurd manner. You know, like mm. the the scene where he's uh, he's having a phone call with his wife, Kristen Wiig, his first wife, Kristen Wiig, who I just love how she keeps on, you know, oh, I love you, too. I want you to see, succeed. I just know you're not gonna. Edith, I am starting to think that maybe you don't believe in me. I do believe in you. I just know you're gonna fail. You know, love you. you're gonna fail. <laughs> They've got this this phone call going, and in the background, Tim Meadows, uh, the drummer, uh, sticks his head up. He's like, "Will you keep it down, Dua? I'm trying to have sex down here." And then there's the there's just the bald, open cock that keeps on coming in and out of the the scene. His Dua, you want some coffee? Yeah. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> his his dad, and it's all about. Oh well, I feel there's a distance coming between us. His dad shows up just to reiterate again that the wrong kid died. Maybe I have been kind of hard on little Dewey. <laughs> Maybe you have. <laughs> oh. Oh. Ah! You all right, Ma? I'm all right. She lost her balance and fell out the window. And then the radio crushed your head? While she was dancing to your song, I thought you should know what your music does. It kills people. You made her happy, and it killed her. If Nate was alive, this never would have happened. Wrong kid died. <laughs> I want you to know what your music Stars. does. It made her happy, and then it killed her. <laughs> it was her, her vertigo. Her, her her balance. And she lost her balance. Again, his, the, the, his mom was is, was esteemed character actress Margot Martindale, uh, which they also lampooned in BoJack Horseman. Yeah, she is just like she is a TV hit. I mean, so many different shows that she has starred in, and I mean, again, she's also one of those faces where she's not necessarily like you know dramatically famous, but she's definitely one of those actresses that. When you look at her, yeah, you're like, okay, I know this face. I know who she is. Solid. I think the dad um, is probably one of the weaker characters. And, but yeah, but again, not like he was bad. It was Raven just Raymond like, J. Barry is Paul Cox. Nothing stood out about his performance. But again, I mean, he, he yes. got down the, the one, one sided, you know, one dimensional, you know, dad that was disappointed in the sun, which. Again, is something that comes up in a lot of these biopics. Chris Parnell as Theo, the the bass player of the band. We've got just a whole host. Matt Besser was the the piano player, and I think he ended up being the guitar player. Harold Ramis, one of his last films. I think this was his his second or third to last film, and I just love it when uh, he goes to jail. And Harold Ramis's character Lahayam shows up, and he's like, uh, you know, we're, we're suddenly everyone can speak Yiddish, so he's conversing with Dewey Cox in Yiddish, and he's like, you've got to go to a uh, rehab, 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 
And then he breaks fourth wall in character and just in a nor- his normal speaking voice, rehab. Oh, rehab. Is it just me or... Okay, so Harold Remus was speaking in Yiddish, but I swear Dewey Cox was responding back to him in German. Well, Yiddish is a mixture. And okay, is it a mixture? Yeah, okay, and a lot I, I'm of, listening to Dewey Cox and I'm like, is, is this just like, is this like a really dark, deep joke? Like he's responding in German? Yeah. To the Jewish guy. Um, I'm not a, a uh, scholar of the Torah, but uh, I do know that a lot of Yiddish does have a yeah, lot of let's, German let's work on words that. Why in not, it. Jack? Why are you not a scholar of the Torah? I'm not Jewish. You don't have to be. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, uh, the sort of the first third of the movie is the weakest. And that's from multiple watches. The the coming of age, cutting his brother in half. And then I I, I think it <laughs> needs to be stated at some point during the podcast, but the the nightclub work with him getting his break is a little bit cringy, especially in today's sort of atmosphere. But I, I don't mm. know if that's just me and I'm overly sensitive. Or if it was... If anything, I feel like... Because it's so implied that the people are really uncomfortable at first. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. He's really good. Never mind. And even the song, like, you've got to love your Negro man, like, is such a... (laughs) Yeah, why would a white person be singing this song? Everything is so... Do we know, like, who he's trying to spoof at that point? Uh, I... Well, from the, uh, the... I got laryngitis and my hands are all cut up. Craig Robinson. uh, was it the one guy that was... It was the guy from The Office. Well, yeah, no, but he was supposed to be like Chuck Berry or something like that. Listen uh, to this! From Back to the Future, they sort of spoofed like, Hey, Chuck, that oh, sound that what you were is? listening? Oh, there it is. But something something like that. Hmm. But I, th- I thought that was sort of the, the lowest point of the movie. Though it, it's not all that low. I, I think, again, with like the absurdity and the exaggeration of like, you get a sense for like how the comedy is going to go, especially with the brother playing his piano, like just like a, a savant, essentially. And then he's all like, man, nothing's going to go wrong today. I have, you know, that's the great thing about being young. I have so many things to do with this long life of mine. <laughs> and it's so, you're like, oh my God, you're just getting beaten over the head with the dramatic irony as the audience, you're like, well, that's laying it on thick. Like, Obviously, the, something like bad is going to go. The 30-second uh, montage of their day, <laughs> that is kind of funny, like the horse charging the uh, the, the, tractor. the tractor. and Chicken! You know, let's have a machete fight out in the, uh, the barn. You know, that, that's, that's pretty decent. I do like how they... They do mark out the stages of Dewey's life, and as they mark them out, it usually starts with him busting in on Tim Meadows. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers? Yeah, of course we are. Can't you smell it? No, Sam. I can't. Hmm. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. (laughs) Okay, but just this once. Come on in. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? It's called cocaine, and you don't want no part of this shit. Cocaine? What's it do? It turns all your bad feelings into good feelings. It's a nightmare. I'm thinking maybe I'd like to try me some of that cocaine. Get out of here, Dewey. You don't want no part of this shit. What y'all doing in here? We doing pills, uppers and downers. They're the logical next step for you. I want some of that shit. Okay. Let's go drop acid with the Beatles. No, you're adorable. Sam, what are y'all doing in here? 
Dewey, get out of here. You don't want no part of this shit. What is it? It's medication for erectile dysfunction. It gives you a boner. Not to be used if you have a pre-existing heart condition. If boners last for more than four hours, call more ladies. <laughs> and Tim Meadows <laughs> presenting him Best. a new drug, and then he you goes don't want none of through shit, the phase of the drug. That and may then be one of the best parts. Ends though. up crashing and ripping a sink or sinks out of the walls, <laughs> uh, and then moving on to the next phase. And I love the the, the structural elements that was sort of built into it's, the movie. It's that so sort of well done. It, it kind of loses a little bit of steam on the very, very last one, but I think the second <laughs> one hits its peak of just like, no, it's... <laughs> God damn, this is a fucking dark period. <laughs> uh, you mean the very last one? He's all like, <laughs> what are y'all doing in here? It's called Viagra, Dewey. It gives you a boner. <laughs> I don't want that. Do it. You know what I said? It gives you a boner. If it lasts more than four hours, get more ladies. Oh, the temptations. The, the temptations are there singing in the stairwell. I don't care how many times I've seen this movie. He's like, I don't want to succumb to the temptations. Walks out in the hall. My girl. He's like, ah, the temptations. I laugh every single time. That, I mean, this movie speaks to a lot of, like, my style of humor. The the dark period where he's doing the pills, you know, the uppers and the downers. I laugh so hard every time, <laughs> like, the like the 30-second scene where he, he gets up on stage and he just passes out. And then they prop him back up. And he's like, all right, one, two, three. And then just <laughs> passes back out and hits the ground. I'm guilty as uh, And that's like the, the Roy Orbison. I think he, or he's getting to the, the Roy Orbison, like the guilty as charged. Yeah. Which is not as, I mean, it's it's not my favorite song. Like, you know what it is? It's the lyrics I don't necessarily and that's, that's kind of the like. I do to, understand to what it's trying and... to do. The brass, though, listening to them trumpets in the background, <laughs> that's <laughs> majority. <laughs> That's beautiful to me. I really enjoyed that part, though. Uh, well, a lot of this is actually <laughs> like an homage to Cash. But I mean, there's there's a bunch blind. of parts that are homage to Cash, like him going, you know, smell blind is another homage to. <laughs> Was it Ray? Ray Chuck? No, it's not. Oh. It's not Ray. No, 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 no. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So it's 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 an homage to Stevie Wonder, where after a car accident, Stevie Wonder lost his sense of smell. <laughs> so I mean, like, even when the mom is all like, "I'm so proud of you learning to play the guitar, even with." No sense of smell. It's okay, Mama. I learned to play by ear. <laughs> so, uh, well, I Dewey, I did not uh, do, my do you ever take the time to stop and smell the roses? I got no fucking sense of smell. <laughs> well, well, I mean... <laughs> all those kids? Not do my How's your parents Every doing? <laughs> well, my father and I don't speak, and my mom has been dead. How's your, how's your wife? I mean, she's doing great. Well, well I don't really separated. want the kids. I don't feel you should be responsible for them if you don't want them. I loved the cut moment she where she's all like, I listen, I really feel sorry for you. I mean, I understand what it's like to be on a piece of shit show. Excuse me? I mean, just what? day after day. You must want to kill yourself. Jane Lynch? And we're back. Jane Lynch? Jane great Lynch. little... Great little bit part. I love Jane Lynch. I just oh. love Jane Lynch in anything, really. She's just, she has that almost like dry, the, direct okay. sense of humor where it's almost like, it's it kind of like reminds me of like a George uh, Carlin bit. The June. And then we've got uh, Jenna Fisher as uh, the, 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 the sexy... Darlene You're Madison. You're blowing me. Uh, which kisses. <laughs> one of the best songs in this is their duet. The double entendre song. It, the the amount demons. of double entendre in that is. <laughs> Lots of kisses. You can come in. 
my back door. I'm going to beat <laughs> off all the devils. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. And then, you know, when, when uh, Kristen Wiig walks in on him like that. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. I, I'm going to go back a step. <laughs> uh, when he finally marries Darlene and he comes out and she's waiting on the bed for him. And he does like the little, <laughs> like the little horse stomping. And she's, she's like, just oh, like, oh, oh my. Oh. <laughs> it's just great comedy. I've been waiting for this for so long. Me too. From the moment I laid eyes on you. Oh, oh my. Just absolutely. It's, it's pretty funny. And his little, like, Pump his It's illegal. Was perfect for the. It's like a Lippenzotter like stallion. I know. It was the perfect little horse trot. It was. Per- it was just great. <laughs> you can't be married to two people at the same time, Dewey. But uh, not even if you're famous. <laughs> so one character that is just a nice little cameo that I think delivers his line better than anyone else because it's it's so him and. And yet the writing for it is so goddamn perfect. Eddie Vedder doing his, uh, like, speech at the awards, the Lifetime Achievement of, if Elvis and Buddy Holly are Cain and Abel, a rock and roll, and Bruce Springsteen is Zachariah, Iggy Pop is Methuselah, and he's just going down this, you're like, what is going on? Then what oh, does that yeah. make Dewey Cox? And just, wait. Neil Young is obviously the wise prophet <laughs> Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Well, and then you've got all the the uh, Jewish uh, record executives that are all comedians. We already mentioned Harold Ramis. Uh, we've got David Krumholtz, uh, who's Schwartzberg, that a lot of people would remember from American Pie. Uh, you've got uh, the guy from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, crap. Wallowitz, whatever, so the guy who plays Wallowitz. I can't think of his name. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Martin Starr playing uh, Schmendrick, who's a, a comedian, and he was in um, Silicon Valley, uh, which is a great HBO series. You know, just just a lot of great casting in this. You just can't beat it. The uh, Who's the one guy that uh, was the working the soundboard when he first sang Walk Hard? Oh, it's he's in like I, every like waiting for Guffman and Jack uh, the Mighty Wind. Mabrayer? No, no, he was the 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 disc jockey. No, his name is. I will tell you in uh, it was, a second. And then it's, while you're it's looking, uh, Nat Foxen. Yeah, and then uh, Simon Hedberg uh, is the guy from The Big Bang Theory. And yeah. then actually, uh, the the guy you just said, uh, Nat Faxon, he was. He's not the guy I'm talking about. Uh, he was Isn't the it? award show. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. He was the award show dude. It might the have been guy? uncredited. No, I doubt Is he it. On 30 Rock? I will find him. Two hours later. No, not. Okay. No, no, no. He was he was in like Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show. He was married to uh, Jane Lynch, I think, in Best in Show or or. Oh, it's Tim Bagley. Tim Bagley. Yeah. Tim Bagley. He's um. Why didn't I know that? He's he's kind of like a really uh big returning supporting cast well, member on Will and Grace. Yeah, but but I think a lot of people didn't give this movie any credit because it was John C. Riley sans Will Ferrell, and I think John C. Riley stood his ground well as a you know a purely comedic actor. But not only that, he sang. All the own lyrics. He was nominated for a Grammy. He didn't win. 
he, I, but right, he was still which is, Grammy nominated for this, and he's and he's singing it all. Like, I mean, the first time that we actually had like a real dose of John C. Riley singing was in Chicago singing, uh, you know, Mr. Cellophane, and that was great. It was okay. I, I mean, like it was okay. It was it was a good it was a good depiction of Mr. Cellophane. But listening to him sing like almost every single song in this entire album, fantastic. I mean, some of the songs quite catchy and touching. And you would never probably think that he could sing so well. It's kind of like finding out that like Bradley Cooper yeah. can sing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's often it's often like a surprise where certain actors, especially in either dramatic or especially comedic roles, which are often which I think is probably the main thing that a person's going to be looked at for. And it, and it was a it was a delight. Yeah, and, and I was talking to Nathan because I wasn't sure. I was I was afraid like. What's your reaction to me? You said the songs were really well done, and that's why I picked this as the music. It is a parody. It is a satire, but the songs are still catchy. They're still well-organized. They're well-sung. The lyrics are sometimes just, just fucking yeah, words. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, uh, just double down Go on ahead. that, where you kind of expect them that they're going to be, like, just not up to par, but some of them are so... Like even just like the let's duet, uh, even though even though uh, what's her name Jenna Fisher didn't <laughs> or Fisher uh, didn't sing it, she does very well of just playing with the song, and John C. Riley really does well mm. with it. I just all the songs that they do, I I kind of nod at and go, okay, I like this. But I think one of my favorite scenes is uh, from the intro that we did a riff on oh. the intro that I did. Uh, with you guys, oh. and that is uh, the parody of of Brian Wilson of the uh, the Beach Boys when he goes through sort of his psychotic break from doing too much LSD, and he spent years and years and years working on animal sounds, and and I, I think the one song still has never been fully completed to his his satisfaction. But I like you know like they've got the goat up there, the long suffering Tim Meadows like hitting the bell with the big sledgehammer you know the the army of, i need more i need more uh, native or <laughs> aboriginal percussionists and i need didgeridoos an army of didgeridoos fifty thousand didgeridoos i want that i want to hear that goat i want to hear his heart not his soul <laughs> but i mean it, it does highlight you know we lost janice joplin and Jimi hendrix and and help prince even in the past five years you know these are the temptations are very real for these artists and while they did lampoon it using humor you know some of these artists didn't yeah. get to play catch with the kids that sort of thing and i thought they were able to highlight that well there's a couple parts of this movie that do uh really do drop they, they do that, that where they like they hammer home those things and at first i was like oh no is he gonna go like you know i'm sorry like do i even know you know he was gonna like not do what his dad just told him basically like you know oh like i should have played catch with you more and is he like not is he gonna fall even deeper into the hole but then he kind of starts making that life change and uh there's some again there's some big things to kind of take away from this this mm -hmm. like that's real life stuff that the the ups and downs that he goes through are very reminiscent of real life which makes the last song in the very last scene more yeah. pertinent i mean again which is the weakest of the songs song. it's but still it's a, a great beautiful song. song i think it's a great song it is it is but 
it it's does not, have that sort funny. of that that anthemy sort of feel to it. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's also kind of the idea where, you know, he, he kind of says like, you know, like I've taken my entire life and this is finally what I've learned. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take the time to enjoy all these things. And it's again, it's almost like a callback to the beginning of the movie. Although Take My Hand was very provocative. Very <laughs> I love they could not make it less provocative. And like, we were just <laughs> the devil. <laughs> you heard the preacher. You think we don't know what you're talking about when you say Take my hand. What do you mean? It's about holding hands. You watch your mouth. You know who's got hands? The devil. And he uses them for holding. Do you know who also has hands? The devil. Uh. And I'm thinking, like, he should have come back and said, like, Jesus has hands. Get out of my house. (laughs) I I loved the spoof on Dylan. And because, I mean, you also had the movie Dylan come out where a variety of actors played Bob Dylan. But him going up it there is. and doing that song, it's so funny because... It's spot it on. Is, it's spot on exactly like how Dylan's songs were. Mailboxes I mean, like, drip like oh lampposts in the twisted <laughs> the birth canal of the Coliseum. Rim John fairy teapots mask the temperature <laughs> Okay, do you see him? Like, oh. it, they even have, um, uh, who, Ed something or another, who was the, the, the Tonight Show or... Ed Sullivan? They, Ed's, yeah. Because yeah. that, that's lampooning Bob Dylan's appearance on Ed Sullivan. And Ed Sullivan, in the background, you can just see him in his suit with his arms crossed while everybody else, because they didn't really know, like, mainstream primetime viewership didn't know what the fuck Bob Dylan was talking about back then. Was that, or was that supposed to be Nixon? No, that was supposed to be Ed Sullivan. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, either way, like, you know, it, it was at the time and it was just like, you know, saying like, well, what, what do they think about your uh, your protest songs? What does your mom think about my protests, <laughs> Mr. Mister Time Magazine? I, I thought he did a perfect little thing of Bob Dylan. I also absolutely, as much as it probably is a cringe factor to laugh at it, uh, let me hold you, little man, was... <laughs> absolutely hilarious the, and i love i loved the i love like the, the little the people in the background little people's panther like, party oh my god it's like when they remake the wizard of oz and they're like yeah yeah man he gets us <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying to think like i mean anything else that to oh when he finally gets his you know what when he finally gets his sense of smell back and he starts just going through everything he's like i can smell the flowers your hair smells beautiful oh, I, was a I long smell horse shit. Over. <laughs> it's a horse shit it smells awful but i can smell it yeah but even you know if you've lost something like that even the smell of horse shit would probably still smell like roses are we happy with um What's his name's portrayal of older Nate? Um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. I did enjoy that. So, uh, he, he, while Jonah Hill was still in his his sort of in his, his heyday, in his heyday. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not his heyday, but his like I'm chubby and I'm going with the day. Yeah. Was this like a su- super bad? No, it was a few years after. Was, well, just was a this couple like super years. Bad time? I don't think it was that. A couple much. years after. But but he says something very that when we were talking about like deep stuff. And Dewey tries to like combat with, well, I lost my sense of smell. And he's like, oh, oh, like that's a, I lost my sense of being alive. Like, you know, I'm dead. It's kind of that brutal honesty of like, shut up and quit with the excuses and do it. <laughs> there you go. Actually, Superbad, I just checked. Superbad came out the same year. Was it? Yeah. Oh. It was the exact same year. I, but I do love that. I do love, you know, 
his his portrayal as older Nate. And he's all like, you promised. You said you'd be double awesome. Shut up, Dewey. You ever tried to jerk off with a ghost hand? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're not half the man Nate was. Not even from the upper half. You're not even half the half. So you're saying I'm less than a quarter? But, Get out of my house. <laughs> and, and again, that, that comes directly from Johnny Cash, where Johnny Cash had a sibling that died, and he used to talk or speak or converse mm-hmm. with, with his brother. You know, you know, if he's in a, a dark moment or if he's by himself, he'd start talking to his brother, and he always imagined that his brother was sort of aging right. as he aged. So that's why they changed him from a, a boy to, to Jonah Hill. Yeah, his brother died in a... Like a woodcutting accident, and Jesus I guess Christ. I guess Johnny Cash was supposed to be there with him, but he got sent away by his brother. His brother was going to finish the work. I guess there was an accident, cut him right in the chest. Yeah, he was cutting boards in half. Oh, I have myself. Oh, I, <laughs> he was nearly cut in half. Johnny Cash's brother was nearly cut in half. So that's again, I do like John Michael Higgins as the DJ. What you're talking about of just like there is no song that you could ever do to come back from what you like <laughs> so don't even try but i'll give you one trip <laughs> i will give you <laughs> you have made he's walking you have made so me lose hard. faith it's just singing pizza you pie. made me lose faith like, in the like, jewish no. community <laughs> these nice yeah but that that's also but that's a parody on elvis because uh, elvis wanted to come in and sing like dean uh, martin dean martin songs and dean martin go. sang the uh Big amore. pizza pie, it's amore. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he was just, I mean, like, the movie is, it's damn clever yeah. in the way that it's spoofing everything. I think, as you, as Jack has already put it, it, it blends so nicely, almost effortlessly. And I mean, with, with Nathan's first time viewing, I mean, he said he really enjoyed it. I told Jack earlier, like, I watched the uncut version, which is like an extra half hour of footage, and... I mean, it does show the third, the other marriage that was not sequenced in the regular version where he married Cheryl Teagues and she became, she became <laughs> Cheryl Cox Teagues. And I believe Patrick Duffy was also yeah, Patrick in Duffy some of those there. <laughs> Fuck you, Patrick Duffy. TV's Patrick Duffy. <laughs> that's, what, that's like how he refers to him. He's all like, shut up, TV's Patrick Duffy. Have sex with anyone you want. You know, a lot of, a lot of the references and a lot of the satire that they do. It may seem slapdash on the surface, but a lot of the jokes that they're making about specific performers or alluding to specific artists, these things actually happen. Right. So, you know, I I think it it, actually Rolling Stone wrote an article a few years after this came out. And the title of the article is How Walk Hard with Dewey Cox Almost Killed the Musical Biopic because it lampooned (laughs) it so hard that... You know, because you, you had all those musical biopics up to 2007. And then after, you know, it seems like it's been almost 10 years till we got uh, Queen. And then um, you've got... Uh, I loved The Dirt. I thought it was... The uh, the Dirt, that's something else. It, it, it's But it, I like that better than uh, Rocket Man. I thought Rocket Man was kind of a little bit of a... I still haven't seen Rocket Man, but again, I don't really enjoy musical biopics because i feel like there's sometimes a lot of self-glorification that goes on or a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of sainthood to the artist when maybe that's not due because all these people that you know ray charles freddie mercury all the you know, the big biopic musical artists none of these people were saints yes they portray some of their hard times but it always seems like it's sort of that redemption story and it gets sort of tired at some points 
I I would I would agree to the point of you know it, there is kind of the redemption story almost as it were because even with things like Rocket Man, yeah. it does go through his life and it does show like truly dark tragic moments and I I don't think it's trying to. I, I wouldn't even say that uh, Elton John would would you know acknowledge to say that this is not trying to make me look good. I'm trying to like be honest here and show you. I mean, even with kind of like the movie Selena, like you're not going to make her out to be a saint. It's remembering something horrible that happened to a young, talented you know singer. And I think something like Ray Charles. I think most people like were like, oh, okay, it's a it's a really impressive you know jazz singer, but like. What happened? I mean, it's I, I I don't know if anybody's gonna probably look at a singer who is blind and probably think, hmm, wonder if that's from birth, if there was an accident. Okay, it's fine. I really like his music, and then just move on. So with a lot of the kind of biopics that are out there, I think they're a lot of fun. I think they're very interesting. But then again, I I like to get a full story, and I don't think that this is something that, as you said, like it almost ruined it. It almost ruined the industry for like the type of biopic that it is. Well, Walker came on the scene because it, it really lampooned at its core what these, these movies yeah. were trying to do. I mean, they're still going to be around. They're still going to happen, but there was a, a little bit of a pause on those biopics for a few years after Walkhard came out. Because once you start parodying something, once you start uh, satirizing it, you know, it becomes less, less, you know, oh, this this is a true art form. No, they're making fun of it. I almost want to say the same thing kind of happened with action films when they did <laughs> Last like, Action Hero. That only makes me want to watch them more. I feel like maybe even the Expendables, like you're just going, oh, let's just put every big star in the movie. And it's like, <laughs> okay, maybe this is too much. And like, yeah, that's kind of killed it. Really? I think that's even more. I think that's I mean, more. Yeah, but that also seemed like a little bit of like a like a retirement cash grab for a lot of these <laughs> lot of these guys Gosh. and again same thing with the biopics you know even if, if you know Johnny Cash was dead by the time walk uh, walk the line came out I think but his family still gets a percentage of that so there's a certain amount yeah. of you know after the artist has passed away you know let's cash in on the name a little bit let's put out a movie Freddie Mercury has been dead for 30 years and I, I did like that movie. I did like that biopic. It's, it, it is, is good. good. The Rami Malek was, I think, the only person that could have really pulled off Freddie Mercury. He's got the look. Yeah. And I, get, I guess maybe I like that movie more because I know that uh, Freddie Mercury, he left the bulk of his estate to, uh, you know, his companion slash, you know, former wife girlfriend. And then there was provisions in it for the care of his cats. And uh, I really do like that. Didn't he have, like, rooms for the cats? Like, he just... Oh, yeah. Like, he, yeah, like, <laughs> what a baller. Now you have that they're hap- that's doing with books. So now Tolkien has a, a movie. I'm sure C.S. Lewis is right around the corner. J.K. Yeah, Rowling. The Tolkien one was the- a little bit disappointing. It was all right. It was all right. You know, he doesn't really go into... Let- the, does it, it go into the war and C.S. Lewis? Oh, yeah. A little bit. Oh, it goes Not into so it. Not so much with C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis yeah. is still in it, but uh, it, it's it, like there is the a best, lot of World uh, War One sort of... There is. Homage. It doesn't, and and it, it, that's applicable because a lot of Mordor and, and all that was, right. you know, no man's land in the trenches. Right. It, it doesn't necessarily touch on a great deal of, you know, what their group was known as, like, the Inklings. Okay. You know, before and during the war. What it almost, like, omits is the religious factor um, in his life, which 
good grief. I mean, I, I know probably people don't want to like get preachy in a movie, but it was kind of crucial. But they but they left it out. Well, at least they didn't delve into it as much. Well, then you get into the before Jack time with real feels, and I still have not <laughs> watched the theory of everything all the way through. I feel like I the you know the two or three weeks that I read uh, the brief history of time by Isaac Asimov, like that was enough time that I need to spend there. I didn't need to see more expo- exposition on that and okay. and that sort of thing. But then again, I'm very picky about what I watch. Most of the time. So I'm the kind of guy that when, you know, when you're trying to find a movie and you're by yourself, I, I scroll through like every streaming service I have available and I end up spending like an hour just trying to find something to watch. I do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I do more adding to my queue than I would actually watching the movie that I was probably initially thinking of watching. And then I go back and I look at the queue and I'm like, well, now there's just too much here. I can't yeah. even make a choice. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like a slumlord. Like, I'm always looking forward to the first of the month. Like, new movies are coming. They're dropping this first week. Come on, give them to me. What's What you got? <laughs> I, for me, I kind of, uh, I'll get I'll get a couple that I, I, I see and go, ooh, yeah, maybe I'll watch that. And then I'll kind of look around and go, well. Ethan definitely cannot watch that movie. Brooke will hate that movie. Uh, you know what? I didn't really want to watch it anyways. I guess I'll just keep looking. And so I keep looking and finally find something that I've watched a million freaking times and go, yeah, Ethan can watch this. Or or I'll watch just a show that, like, how did this get made kind of uh, like, oh, this is how they make, uh, you know, iron bars for jail sales. <laughs> like, oh, I, wow. I, I, I have resorted to watching old modern Marvels reruns on YouTube. I was going to say, the last step is like Mythbusters. At 11 o'clock at night, like, I'm going to bed in a half hour. Give me something. You know you've got nothing when you put on Mythbusters and you're like, you know what? Just show me. <laughs> but that works. Do, do that gas works. tanks blow up if they're shot at? Like, I don't know, but I'm going to find out Mythbusters. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll do that with, after I have scoured all of the streaming services, added shit to my queue, I'll, res- I'll somehow resort to end up being on YouTube and watching random stuff on YouTube. Not even a movie. I'll watch, like, clips of, like, court cam, parking oh, wow. wars. <laughs> I love parking wars, actually, but it's the stuff where I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie, and I'm on YouTube. <laughs> Not even movies. <laughs> well, what have you guys watched the uh, past couple weeks since we've been here? Any any good movies? Any good series? Uh, we did oh, the man. the second season of the Umbrella Academy. We I'm watched the it. shit out of that. I think we got a weekend, and by the Tuesday after the Friday it was released, we had slammed dumped show. that. Uh, it, we thought it was phenomenal. Folks, if you have watched the first season of Umbrella Academy and you had mixed feelings, the second season is just amplified. It's just better acting, better better dialogue. It's just hands down a better show. I highly recommend I've, it. Uh, I've been doing what I've dubbed a Ford Fiesta. So just like your Cage Watch, Jack, that was inspired... Um, I think Drew's starting up a little, uh, uh, a little w- watch through as well. I I have uh, dubbed and deemed my new character, or sorry, actor watch my my Gary grind, which will be my Gary Oldman watch through. I've gotten through I think two or three of Ford's. Er- I'm starting Star Wars and Beyond because everything kind of before Star Wars, he was just kind of bit parts, and it's some of them are a little rough to when there's not a whole lot of Ford. Why am I watching for the Ford and it's not there? But right after Star <laughs> Wars, he was it? in like Hanover Street and a couple of like movies like back to back 
as lead. And it's interesting to watch bits of Solo, but he's still trying to, like, figure out what people want to see, I think, and, like, who they want out of him. Really good, though. Hand over another one uh, of another war film with a kind of a Dirty Dozen cast. and Pretty good. I'll have to check that out. Jack, what's the one where he goes to the Amish land? The Witness. The Witness. Yeah, yes. It's, it's okay. Coming up. <laughs> you yeah. better watch. I like the on Witness Hulu, a lot. On Hulu, real quick, on Hulu, Palm Springs, I cannot stress it enough, is a hidden gem. That was Loved really good. It. I've heard great we things. We really liked that. That was a clever little movie. And I movie. had no clue what it was about when I put it on and I'm not going to say even what it's about because it's just one of those like jump into it blindfold <laughs> and you will be pleasantly surprised. So Ann and I, we, we got on a, a horror movie kick because it's sort of like watching hoarders. Mm. Like you watch hoarders <laughs> to feel better about your own life. And with, with the current political climate and the pandemic and the economy, like whatever's going on in these horror movies, like, it's not really as bad as what's going yes. on right now. So <laughs> we went through, uh, we did the Conjurings, but then we did the uh, Insidiouses, the chapters one through four. I'm going to say right now, the Insidious is the better man. Uh, that is a mm. hell of a lot more scary. Like that gave me like, I, I felt the goosebumps rising on my gorilla leg hair versus uh, the Conjure, which I thought was a little bit more following the formula and your usual sort of like a ripoff of the exorcism. Mm. But we've probably this weekend we'll, we will find and watch some really bad shitty horror movie. Oh, I, I will help you. I will help you with that. <laughs> I currently am in the final seasons of both the supernatural and fringe fringe. I'm watching to record an I episode. Can't do it, on. That's fine. You don't have to, you don't have to. I enjoy it though. It's actually, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it has Leonard Nimoy. So what? What more do you not want? Uh, Supernatural. It's just a God. It's fr- it's a freaking roller coaster, and it's ups and downs, ups and downs. I really wish they would have stopped at season thirteen because oh Supernatural number. Well, no, Supernatural number. But now they stopped on season fifteen. It's actually sorry. It's not even done yet because they had to stop filming due to Corona. So they're slowly and surely adding newer episodes. Well, Anna watches Anna watches Supernatural. And she, I think she just finished season 15 like you did. So, like, I, I don't... Well, they're not done yet, though. They're, they're still going to add more. Wow, Christ. I, I, don't watch, I don't watch TV like that. And I'm not saying that from, like, a, a fucking jerk-off superiority no, stance. It, it no, just I doesn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't it, think that. It just doesn't tickle yeah, my tickle. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, exactly. But I watched the first few seasons. And so, like, I like Anna's explanations. But I'm like, well, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> oh, well... well well, that was death, but they killed him in a previous season. She's the new death, and that's that's the Antichrist. It's just like, oh, just, all right, like this. There's too much going on here. I there's, can't handle this. Fringe has um, what's his name? Jonathan John Noble. Uh, Denethor? the dude from it's it's yes, yes. Who is who Pelador plays the blasted? <laughs> it's Pelador. So he plays Walter Bishop in the in the series. Gondor is probably. Mine. He, he is the best character. He is the best character in all of Fringe. So watching those two, I, I was on a I was on a kick uh, the other weekend. I was watching Nazi horror movies. And I mean, wow. it's not not like Dead Snow. There's a new one out. Not like Dead Snow. I was watching Ghosts of War. Is that the new one up. where it's like yeah. the, the GIs that 
that they, they, have they to they're watching the mansion, at, like the the chateau that's haunted, yes. and yes. everything that happens to the GIs is what the Nazis did to them. What the Nazis did to the family. We've been that... holding off on that because it looks kind of trashy, and I don't know if it's okay. good trashy so it's, or bad trashy. It's not trashy. I would I would agree that there are genuine jump scares and genuine creep factors to the film itself. Also, an ending that I did not see coming at all. All right. All right. Well, we'll um, give that a try. Yeah, I gave. Did it a, you watch gave, Operation Overlord, like the Nazi zombie? No, it's so I watched Ghost That's of War streaming. and then I watched. That's worth watching. Uh, Blood Vessel, which boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call my penis, Drew. <laughs> Blood Vessel. Uh, people are adrift on a boat, and it's towards the end of uh, of the war, and it's a it's a boat that it was a, it was a Nazi boat, but inside they find. Not zombies, but they find vampires, <laughs> and, and so that's that. I mean, that was that was it. I I can't think of like anything else that I really watched recently in the past couple of weeks that is even kind of pertinent or wasn't even like you know not a, not a rewatch. Well, and, and that's the that's the weird rub with the pandemic is Tuesdays. I would usually come home for lunch and the new movie, new rental releases would be released on Xbox. Because a lot of the movies we watch on Xbox or the Amazon uh, app on the Xbox. And so on Tuesdays, I'd kind of get to see like, oh, we could watch this this movie. But they're not like there are no really new movies out or they're trying to save the good movies like Tenant and stuff like that in the hopes that the the theaters were reopened so it's like like every tuesday i get home is just like a bad mishmash of like there's a a sci-fi movie i almost rented the other night with like casper van dean you're getting desperate and and john reese davies (laughs) and i was like remember the title uh no but i can i can easily i can easily (laughs) find it i'm curious i'm curious but i was like oh should i spend the 3.99 on this not tonight (laughs) <laughs> so, Segmontes? Segmontes! <laughs> Walk hard. Alright, uh, the first segment Segmonts. is, I just came to tell you, you need to get your shit together. Tell me a humorous story about something that you did that made a sibling shake their head at you in disgust. I will go. <laughs> get a troop. So I couldn't even think of anything, you know, right off the top. That made my brother shake his head in disgust. So I had to call him and I had to ask him, what have I done that has made you shake your head in disgust? And he he came up with two things that apparently are at a tie. The first one is my absolute love of the TV show The Golden Girls. He <laughs> He hates The Golden Girls. As he puts it, it makes him violently ill. Didn't I get you a Golden Girls blanket? You did. It's sitting on this couch over here. <laughs> <laughs> the the Led Zeppelin <laughs> themed Golden Girls. Oh, I love it. Zoso. Okay. <laughs> so it is it is a tie between <laughs> my obsession and love of Golden Girls, which is outright one of the greatest you know television shows of all time. And when in your I opinion. was in my <laughs> humble opinion. Um, it still has reruns. And he never once <laughs> said anything nice about my movie picks. <laughs> so I used to be on cast, as you both have have uh, greatly been shared with, 
and uh, poked fun at very much often. So I was on cast for eight years with a shadow cast for Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it was during this time, one one time, and actually a couple of more, I had a costume that I would sometimes wear for different skits or like the pre-show just to like goof around and have fun. So the costume was like a trailer pre- trailer trash like mother-in-law. So it was like a big pink muumuu. And then there was like a mask, but I stopped doing the mask for a while. And then one one show, all the guys were like getting in drag. And so, I mean, it's not like really, really good drag for me. It was like, all right, put back on the muumuu and let's put on some lip, lipstick and some, some rouge makeup. and a wig. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so this this little Take ensemble. <laughs> There, uh, there was some documented evidence, and my brother saw the picture one time, and, he, <laughs> and he's like, "That's he's my like, sibling. yeah, that's that's that, uh, that's that's the other time that I would probably shake my head in disgust." So it's a tie, Golden Girls, and apparently me and Very nice. I I remember <laughs> when I was young, I didn't know how to express my anger, and all I knew how to do. For, for, I for video have feelings. Games. I can express my feelings on a lot of other things, but video games, when my brother would just slaughter me at any video game, uh, namely Street Fighter or yeah, slightly uh, older brother. Paul was four years older than me. And so he would just dominate me in most video games and I'd get very, very frustrated. And so I didn't know how to like release that anger, except I grabbed the controller as hard as I could and I bit it. And my brother's like, what the hell are you doing? Stop, 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 stop. And he, you know, he's egging me on going like, oh, I'm sorry. Like the A button's right here and the B button's right next to it. He obviously just, you know, just, just doing a big brother stuff. And so Do you even I play, bit bro? the controller as hard as I could and it left teeth marks in it. And he was, <laughs> was just that like, one forever yours? No, we don't do that, Nathan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, we don't no. bite. Bad Nathan. Did he, did he grab a rolled up newspaper? Oh, I'm sure he beat the crap out of me later on. But like, <laughs> but yeah, like that was one of his just like, absolutely not. This Was it one of those situations where it was like Mortal Kombat and he knew how to do all the moves and like the come in here and the ice ball and you're just leaping around like, ha ha. I remember we played Street Fighter, or um, Killer Instinct was uh, another one. Yeah! yeah. Not as well-known, but still really good. And I loved Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct was was like the... The, the red-headed so stepchild of... So good. Fighting game. It, yeah, it was like the Wino's fucking yes, Peckham yes, Street Fighter. I would button mash, and Paul would be like, all you can fucking do is button mash. This is ridiculous. It's stupid to even play with you. Or I play like E Honda and just do the arms, 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 arms. <laughs> Blanca, oh, dude, he plays Blanca, and you just uh, go in the what corner. Was the, uh, what was the the Chinese chick Chung-Li. who would do the the fast kick? Chung-Li. Yep, 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 yeah, yep. So yeah. Oh, dude, I just I just looked up Killer Instinct. I remember playing as. The werewolf and the lizard man skeleton, all the time. And, uh, there was a skeleton. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, like some guy with like kind of like <laughs> some blades, almost looks like like Shredder. He's got like almost like a knight helmet. I think it's been a long time. And they had that weird the the shump 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 when he would try to hit people. Hmm. Also, Primal Instinct with another dude. Man. Primal Ooh. Instinct. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you want us to do a uh, video game podcast, let us know. We will jump on that because we could go on for oh. hours. Sorry, Jack. Your turn. <laughs> so, uh, my sister was or is three years older than me. So, I, you know, with my, my mom really didn't start dating gentleman callers until my sister and I were in high school. 
So when I was a freshman, my sister was a senior. And so if my mom went on uh, like an overnight or a weekend getaway with her, her soon to be next husband, she would have a party. And it wasn't usually big parties, uh, not the knockdown dragon affairs. And I used to always rib her and say like, you're going to get caught gonna get caught they're gonna find out they're gonna find out but she always had her ducks in a row she had you know one of the guys that was there would be responsible for hauling away the trash from the party so there was no empty bottles or empty cases in our trash and you know no smoking inside and she would clean up afterwards so when i was a junior or senior in high school my sister was in college at this point i had a party and i had several parties And I still got away at the time with those parties. But I was real dumb about it. Because we... I love the honesty, Jack. I love it. (laughs) I was dumb. I printed out flyers. (laughs) Yeah, we would do the... We would do most of our debauchery downstairs in the unfinished basement. And there was a, a breakfast nook that hung off the back of the house that was not under the foundation. But there was a cutout in the foundation in the crawl space underneath that breakfast nook. So my grandfather is an electrician and he always needed to have a project. Like, can I put some dimmer lights into the living room or whatever? So my mom was like, I bought these baseboard heaters for you to put in the breakfast nook. Because it gets cold out there because it's not under the foundation. Uh-oh. So... At this point, I'm a freshman in college, and I think I'm back for Thanksgiving break. And so, Grandpa goes downstairs, and he needs to get into the crawl space underneath the breakfast nook to wire up the baseboard heaters. And there are just probably five to six trash bags of empty (laughs) bottles, empty cans, empty liquor bottles, and a backpack that had a homemade gas mask bomb oh, in it. Oh my gosh. Well done. So I vividly remember my mother at the foot of my bed. <laughs> I'm 19 years old at this point, threatening to ground me. And uh, immediately off the cuff, I'm like, I'm an adult, you can't ground me. And she just goes, you get downstairs to the basement and you haul that shit your grandpa pulled out of the crawl space to the trash. And just going downstairs and my grandpa, just like, like a, like a, like a sanguine look on his face. Just like, well, I didn't mean to out you. Like, yeah, sorry about that, grandpa. I didn't mean to have you. I would have pulled all that out of you for that. But, uh, I called my sister that night and she picks up the phone and she just, she'd already heard from my mom and she picks up the phone and she goes, have I taught you nothing? (laughs) And that was the the head-shaking moment. Like, I had these parties all through high school. I showed you how it was done. Have I taught you nothing? You were the chosen one, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one uh, is, uh, the next segment, segment two is... Do you have time to stop and smell the roses? I've got no fucking sense of smell. Dewey goes smell blind from the trauma of having his brother with a machete. Tell me about an aroma that you always associate with something from your own past. The weirder, the better. Mine's not that crazy. So the Yankee Candle wedding, uh, wedding day. I remember uh, I was probably like nine or ten. Like I wasn't that old, but I had a crush on an older girl, and I just remember her smelling like that. And it was weird. It was such a. <laughs> I know. I, I, 
pretty weird. But like, you smell like yik candles, and I like it. And I just, but like that smell, I just like would remember like her. I haven't smelled it for for a long, long time. But it's just like I remember <laughs> the moment when I saw, like, smelled it, and it was like, oh my gosh, I remember way back when. All right, this is a weird one. It's gonna get real weird. <laughs> maybe real inappropriate. Weird. Maybe TMI. Oh, uh, but I lived in a, a housing development from um, I think fourth grade through high school until my mom remarried after I'd gotten out of high school and they they sold that she sold the house and they they got their own place but it was one of those places that was in phases almost like um poltergeist like you know phase four phase three where they would just keep on developing further land so there was uh one plot of land that was pristine forest had a creek running through it that divided these two developments that I had some buddies living in and they finally like bulldozed and cleared the land and they cleared like, you know, where the streets were going to go. And then they had plopped down this big cement tube and then bulldozed earth over that. So the Creek could go through the tube and continue on its merry way. So it was a uh, Memorial day. No, it was 4th of July. Cause we had a block party for 4th of July where we all decorated our bikes with bangles and jangles and streamers. I think the dads had a riding mower race. Did Jack, you know, it was one of those, one of those bangles occasions. And jangles so. and <laughs> dads on lawnmowers. No, no, it was, but but the but the development the development was was haughtily called Cheltenham, and so we we rode down where they were paving the new street, and no ground had been broken; it was just cleared, and they put down the tube, and the street was over it. And so we ride over this cement tube that they've put on the creek, so the creek can still go through it, and we see a lot of debris down off the left side of the creek and we go down and somebody had thrown like a box or a backpack of hardcore porn magazines into the stream. And we were, I was in the fifth grade. So like uh, a little glimpse of like a movie boob here and there was the, and this was like AOL, you know, AOL, you couldn't really get any sort of stuff like that so we went down and it was like it was like uh excavating uh <laughs> king tut's tomb Loading where we're team, like pulling these away. magazines out of the water <laughs> Sticky tread. and then and there's there's three of us there's 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 three of us it's uh, both guys i went to high school with and we're 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 trying to separate the pages so that they don't, you know, like mush and form together. And we're laying them on rocks in the sun <laughs> to dry. And oh then we're like, well, we've, we've got to, we've got to have something. So like we left, like we wouldn't all leave at the same time. Like one or two of us were leaving. Somebody would stay behind to like guard this illicit <laughs> horde. And so I remember going home, going upstairs in my bedroom, grabbing an old lunchbox that had a little key lock on it. And inside that lunchbox was like baseball cards and some some comic books that I thought would be valuable. Dump those out on the floor. <laughs> those are long forgotten. And then we took the best surviving artifacts oh, from this. And, you know, it's like we divvied them up. And that was 
transformative. So <laughs> they were soaked in creek water. And you know that smell of, of creek and, and river water, like that sort of the mud yeah. and the moisture. So uh, I would take my my illicit hoard out and, and view them because I was not old enough yet for <laughs> things to be physiologically yeah. possible. Or at least you know where I'm going. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> To this day, the smell of, like, mud or, like, a creek or, like, a river, that sort of that humid sort of mud and sort of little bit of rot to it, it does things for me that, so if I go on a canoe trip or, like, hell, if, if I'm stuck on traffic and I'm passing a bridge and I get a whiff, most people are like, ugh, river. Porn. Like, <laughs> it's great. Fourth of July. <laughs> I remember this. But, yeah. That's that's the story, and it, it's a weird one. It might be TMI, but I, I just every time I look back on that story, I'm like, what? Like, I, I have so many questions. Like, who threw it? Why did they throw it there? Why was it there? And it, look who found it. So, <laughs> folks, if you if you're going to dispose of your your printed pornography, don't throw it in a, a shallow riverbed because <laughs> kids will probably find it. So, I mean, n- nothing too extravagant of, of like a story and, and it's kind of like give me like a rapid fire session for me of things that when i smell them uh it, it definitely reminds me of my childhood the first one is frying of bacon and it and immediately reminds me of going to my my nana's house on a sunday afternoon after church and she would make us bacon uh sandwiches not bacon and you know tomato not bacon yeah. and lettuce and tomato reminds me of uh, band of brothers just I'll take a bacon yeah, sandwich just a bacon sandwich like white bread mayo bacon done vinegar vinegar reminds me of my mother because she is a uh, very much an, an adamant house cleaner and she always cleaned with vinegar so vinegar just distilled white vinegar cleaning the floors that always reminds me of my mom shoe polish for my dad because my dad would sit in the living room and he would just he would just shine his shoes uh you know probably the night before he had to wear them and go uh, to church the next day, usually like on a Saturday night. So get your fucking shine box. <laughs> the entire like living room would smell like shoe polish. And that's something that it didn't even like offend me. It just, you know, it's just something that I, I kind of got used to. And for my brother, valve oil, I could smell valve oil all the time because he would always be practicing his trumpet. Oof. And I also remember it from when I it used to. It does have a distinct smell. <laughs> It, it does. No, no, it no, does. no, no. I know. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just laughing at myself. Valvoil, yeah, valvoil. It, it definitely does have a unique uh, and definite smell. So, oh. yeah, vinegar, shoe shine, bacon, valvoil. Last segment. Um... Walk hard, hard down life's rocky road. Walk bold, hard. Tell me about a song from your life that for a time was a personal anthem, the sort of song that when it crops up on the radio or in television or a movie gives you the feels. And we've, we did a similar one for, that was um, like your like movie for Highlander. song, right? No, no. Well, what was the other one? That was, that was your anthem. If you were going to be an immortal. And then we had like our top yeah. five from high fidelity. But I think this should be different. This is sort of just sort of a one-off. Yeah. It's not your favorite song, but every time you hear it, you're sort of brought back to a point in your life that you're like, oh, yeah, man, all right. Want to go first? So when I got the 
summer between my senior year in high school and my freshman year at uh, University of Dayton, me and or four four friends and I, a buddy, his family has a lake house up in Maine. So the drive from Ohio to Maine is not short. It was about 25 hours. So we we borrowed my Grandpa John's Ford Aerostar van and were told sternly not to smoke in it. But, but we, we did. did. And it, it it didn't have a CD player, but we had the the tape that you could put into the tape player that you could plug the cord into the CD player and still play a CD. And we listened to uh, it was Fish's 1994 Hoist album. Uh, and there are two songs out of that. Uh, it's um, Julius. I've been told to expect it How to get my descent down the cold granite steps And who could have turned among those I can fight in I think that I know what I haven't known yet Cause a week is a month and an hour a day When your reaching just pushes it further away with your past and your future precisely divided Am I at that moment? I haven't decided Don't take another step I haven't decided Don't take another step And if I could, I would sort of anytime i hear those i feel like i'm i'm either i'm heading up to bain or or i'm there conversely freshman year at college uh i had a good friend that that i bonded with and we had complete opposite tastes in music where i was all classic rock or jam rock like fish and he was all rap or hip-hop and so i would introduce him to him to things and he would sort of introduce me to things and one that stuck with me was the band The Roots. And there's a song called Act Two, Love of My Life, off of their 1999 Things Fall Apart album. That anytime that song comes on, I get a sort of a nice, ah. Uh, oh, yeah. If you know what I mean. Take so those are, those are my two. Um, so I have mm-hmm. um, a very two very simple ones. One was when a long, long time ago, I remember when I was young and my brother and I were both listening to the radio and my dad was like, kind of like just, I think we were driving and a song came on. I was like, what is this song? This is amazing. And it was rock and Robin. Go 
tweet, 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 rock and robin. Tweet, tweet, rock, tweet, tweet, rock and robin. Like super old school song, but like tweet, tweet, <laughs> tweet, <laughs> tweet, tweet. And I was like, this is, this shit's my jam. I love this. I loved it. And I just remember Paul like kind of going, like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. I, I like this. I like this other song. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's great. It was always like kind of one up. And then in high school, I was very into pop punk and the song that hit it home. I got to, to talk to the bass player about 45 minutes and they went on to um, become actually quite a popular band uh, was Fallout Boys Grand Theft Autumn. Where is your boy tonight? I hope he is a gentleman. Maybe he won't find out what I know. You were the last good thing about this part of town. go-to song in high school like we loved it and it was just it ties so many memories together uh, just hearing that song and so that is my those are sweet fond memories that uh, were tied with all those what are you all right well so in in the jury cox jury cox in the uh, in the high school years i was a rather you know much like probably most a lot of teens uh an angsty and emotional teenager. So I, I had uh, different musics for, I mean, obviously like, you know, like the highs and lows of like things of whatever life's going to throw at you. So one song that I really uh, kind of enjoyed and it also came back at me again. I kind of forgot about it. And then it kind of hit me again in another part of my life where uh, I found it to be really helpful. And it was a song called Brand New Day by Joshua Radin. It's more like inspirational and I think it had like really good quotes where, you know, it would say things like you need to fall in order to mend. You know, it's a brand new day. And for the first time in a long, long time, I I know I'm going to be okay. And so, I mean, it's it's good emotional music. Uh, the other where it's like the, the, the moments of you're just like, man, I, uh, the world. uh." So that would be headstrong by trapped. Thank you. 
local band. <laughs> so I appreciate it. is Trap were, local? Uh, they were from Bakersfield. I, I could be very wrong. This is a local store for local people. There's <laughs> nothing for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Headstrong by Trapped. That would, I mean, that would just be like a really fun song. I actually have a CD that I still made from high school that I listen to all the time. Another one would be uh, like uh, Cadillac by Mest. Drop down, seat back, rolling into my Cadillac. So... <laughs> I, never I mind. had they're, they're weird from Los and still so. do. But I'm, but I'm okay. I was gonna say ah yes, Spanish <laughs> for the cats. All right. Well, what would you guys rate Walk Hard? I would give this movie. You know, honestly, for the pure perfection of trying to like blend everything in, I would definitely give it the three out of four wives. But you know what? I would jump in as that fourth wife just to make it even and perfect for him. So I'm going to give it four out of four. I, I really enjoy this movie for not only how clever it is, but uh, John C. Riley has an amazing voice. I would give it uh, seven cameos out of ten. Three of the people never showed up uh, to finish out that, that cameo <laughs> line. But the camp... 50,000 <laughs> didgeridoos. Make those seven cameos honestly are really, really good. Uh, there's not a whole lot of fault to this movie besides like the obvious, like low hanging fruit you could say about it. But I mean, when you just enjoy it that much, you know, it's a, it's well above average. And uh, I could think of 20, 20 movies that I could easily say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to watch that and walk hard. Sure. Oh yeah. I'll walk hard. Great racket. <laughs> Great, Great racket. racket. <laughs> what are the Beatles? Uh, so, uh, historically, uh, a gold record is uh, half a million units sold. Platinum is a million. Then there's multi-platinum. And then a diamond record is 10, 10 million or more. Uh, I would rate Walk Hard as a solemn platinum hit that has come uh, sort of into its own as a cult classic and has become multi-platinum. It's smart. It's goofy. It tickles my feels. So I'm going to go multi-platinum. There we for, go. Uh, for real feels. And there we have it. Drew, where can uh, people find us amongst their myriad journeys and venues upon the interwebs? Well, everybody can always find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for The Real Feels Podcast. More specifically on Twitter, we are at Real Feels Pod. They can always find us up on Instagram. I promise to update it. Maybe not. Who knows? Or send us an email at realfillspodcast at gmail.com. What about the, the tooch? Line. What about the tooch line, boy? The tooch. Just give us a tooch. Just give us a tooch, boy. Guys, you can always call the tooch line. Leave us a message. Say hello, a joke, Hold a dirty on the joke, death a death threat. threat. Definitely. Okay. We just want to hear some from you. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you know what? <laughs> no, I'll take a death I want friend. some. I really I want, crave, and demand attention. <laughs> I want to feel alive. We could be in danger right now. <laughs> so, guys, if you call 661-376-0030, we absolutely would love to hear from you. And if you're not going to call the Tooch line, buy five gum, stars. get on Apple iTunes, give us some nice five-star reviews. Hey, we've got a few nice five-star ratings recently. I know. Folks, we, we adore you. We love you. We want to keep this high. And we want some of that mm -hmm. shit. So, you... <laughs> Keep on those five-star reviews. Any, anytime we get a five-star review, I prance out of the bathroom like John John C. Riley from <laughs> Walgar. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> so the, uh, the Patreon exclusive, it, you can have small pockets or deep pockets, but this is the uh, remodeling hard package Ooh. or a revenge package. Ooh. 
For $10,000 even, if you're remodeling your home or you want to get back at somebody, hire the Real Fuel Squad to come in and dramatically rip the sinks out of the walls, <laughs> toss the furniture, and bend all the silverware that you have. You can also opt in for the bonus package for an additional $100,000 where we'll procure a monkey to set loose inside said home as part of the, as part of the you can take the kids but you leave me my monkey package. <laughs> you going to give that giraffe over there? You always take her side. Oh, you think about the money and touching yourself. I love the monkey what? at the Any? end with the wig. <laughs> all in all, though, good movie. Oh, this is a really fucking dark period. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, viewers, listeners, well, not viewers, listeners out there, uh, this has been the realist. And the fanist. I think I'm doing pretty good for a 15-year-old with a baby. <laughs> And he never once paid for drugs. Not once. I don't need people around me stifling me with their bad-tasted films. Just do that line again. Just do that line again. Not unless you can open your mind and learn to like other movies besides Tremors or Indiana Jones. Fuck you, Jack! <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jack. <laughs> this past season, you've given us a 60... <laughs> Sorry, that. Oh, yeah. And those stupid gag gifts you give us every year for Christmas. <laughs> we don't want any more Q-tips, shower water ladles, or plush <laughs> candy corn dolls. The candied corn is a symbol of nobility in ancient Egypt. Nobility! Oh, fucking shit. Fuck nobility, fuck ancient Egypt, and fuck candy corn! And you never once said anything nice about my movie choices. Not once. (laughs)